Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Good morning. How are we? Hope everyone had a great weekend. Welcome into Bet the Edge. Thanks for starting your Monday and your week with us here with the Whale Capper, Drew Dinsick. I'm your host, Sarah Perlman. And coming up today on the show, the World Series is set. And Kenny Ducey will stop by to tell us if he likes the Astros or Braves to win it all. And he dives into other markets where he sees some value in the Baseball World Series, of course. And Von Delzell loves to play props. We know that. He has some tonight in the Saints and Seahawks matchup. He'll also tell us what he likes on the board in the NBA. And, of course, we have our edge of the day and so much more coming up right here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet. Drew, we're going to get into how the weekend was on the (laughs) NFL board. And I just want to take a second and figure out everything else. How was your weekend aside from the NFL? Could be the NBA. Could be good weather. Yeah. Tell me, tell me some positive oh, yeah. news no, here. Sa- Saturday in general was uh, was spectacular. The college football slate was fun. Uh, the ball bounced my way. Uh, NBA off to an outstanding start for the season. So really psyched about my reads in that in the association. But you're you bring up a very fair point. Uh, the NFL was not kind to me yesterday. Very very tough for me to find a winner on the card. Congratulations to you for picking off the Bill Belichick. <laughs> angle against the New York Jets. Did it matter if it was Zach Wilson or Mike White? Belichick was going to win that game with margin. And uh, that was a pretty impressive performance by your Patriots. So congratulations on that solid, solid look. Otherwise, I'm because it wasn't for if it wasn't for Bill Belichick, I would have had to just take a breather and call out sick today. So I want to give a thank you to Bill Belichick for having one play come home with ease. There were a couple of teaser legs that were super solid. So you know, it wasn't all it wasn't all yes, doom yes. and gloom. Really, I just but, like to be um, dramatic on a Monday. It's what I do here. On of Bet course, but we're not we're not alone. By the way, like some of the sharper moves yesterday, some of the Day of steam was never really close. Uh, and realistically, you've seen now a couple of huge, huge results go against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, they have now lost four games to realistic AFC contenders. So they have lost the head to head tiebreakers against all of those teams. And realistically, uh, you know, Titans coming off of a very, very hard fought win against the Bills on Monday Night Football, turning around on a short week and doing that to Kansas City was mind blowing. And realistically, I think the entire the most important story in the NFL today that probably won't be talked about much is what is the state of Pat Mahomes from a health standpoint? Um, you know, is he going to be good to go for the rest of the season? You know, he's good to go for this week. The Chiefs are going to have to score points to stay in games. We know this. We know their defense is not holding anyone under 25 uh, a game here. So, you know, 
know, they're going to be, it's incumbent upon them to uh, answer, serve and score effectively. And uh, if Mahomes isn't hundred percent, I'm not sure we're going to see it. Uh, Tyreek Hill clearly wasn't hundred percent yesterday. Travis Kelsey hasn't had as impactful a season as we expected. Uh, obviously the running game is stuck in mud with injuries to their, uh, you know, RB one. And uh, yeah, this is all of a sudden the, uh, you know, the wheels are starting to fall off here for Kansas city. And um, I don't think it's time to buy low on them yet. Uh, and I am nervous about this injury to Mahomes. Now, this is something that you touched on prior to this season. Wait to see, and especially this more tough schedule for the Kansas City Chiefs. You weren't the biggest believer, especially in their defense. That has come to fruition. We have seen them need to put up 25, 30 points to stay in games, let alone get the win, and they have not done that lately. Um, I know you will let us know the time. I don't know if there is a time at this point to buy in on the Kansas City Chiefs, the AFC, showing a lot of solid teams now down the stretch through Week 7. In terms of good games, though, I do want to touch on this because, jokingly, there were some bad games. Like mine, for example, the Carolina Panthers. I move on. I'm on after today to week eight. But I will say 83% of the spread handle was on Carolina. That was a good game for the book. But in terms of good games for the public, the Green Bay Packers got it done covering that eight and a half against Washington. 80% of the spread came in on the Green Bay Packers in that one. And you mentioned it. The other best game for the majority of betters was the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick covering and just smashing the New York Jets 54 to 13. 88% of the spread handle did come on New England on that one. The Raiders obviously took care of business. The Bengals, big win for them. The Colts and 49ers, the Colts came home. Sloppy game, but ultimately the 49ers are not very good this season and uh, the Lions covering was huge we knew most of the money was going to come in on the Rams we did have Jay Croucher come on he said take a look at some of the underdogs ultimately the one big underdog that came home was the Lions the Bears had no business in that game and the Texans could not put up a fight against the Cardinals so I now ask you with double digit spreads this big we've seen you know 10 points on the board for now this upcoming week um, and a few more big spreads is this a breather for you do you take a break or do you look at the board again and you're like I got to get back involved I usually just play through it, you know, <laughs> winning or losing, I play through it. And the double digit spread that stands out is the Jets. The look ahead was Cincinnati minus four. It's minus 10. You're telling me that Zach Wilson is worth six points. There's no universe where Zach Wilson is worth six points over Mike White. So it's Jets are passing that game. There's some other absolute ugly stuff on the board you know houston texans you know can you go to war with davis mills at home potentially maybe tarod taylor comes back taking the points there against the rams is going to be intriguing some people will do it i may do it <laughs> it's a it's a very tough card this week again but these double digit spreads it's it's been fascinating to see how survivor pools are playing out you know we have yet to see one favorite of more than a touchdown lose outright this season that is crazy i don't think That's i can wild. remember this happening in modern nfl like there's just more uncertainty in general and the fact that we've gotten to this point in the season without you know sort of the signature huge upset is is it seems impossible but uh maybe this week i'm probably going to be on the texans i'm probably going to be on the jets and uh I, there's nothing i can do about it well, we'll get into it later this week on our show. I have a play on Monday Night Football, as does one of our guests coming up, Vaughn, in just a little bit. I will say this is, um, I'll talk about it throughout the week. I'm going on vacation. I'm leaving Friday after work. It's a perfect time for me to just take a little breather. I'm going to bet, of course, I have to. But me not watching will just do me a favor for my health. Um, <laughs> listen, we appreciate you guys joining us here on Bet the Edge. Wherever you're listening, make sure to rate the podcast, sign up. We're giving you the most actionable information in just about 30 minutes or less. 
us. The lines move quickly. And thank you to my co-host here, Drew Dinsick, who's been on top of the NBA and this line movement to give us a huge advantage and gaining an edge with us here. Absolutely. And uh, reach out to us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, any questions, any observations you had from the weekend, anything you think that will help me get off the schneid in the NFL, I would appreciate it. You can find me at whale underscore capper on Twitter and Sarah is available at Sarah Perlman. We have the World Series coming up starting tomorrow. We have Kenny Ducey now to help us break this down. I'm excited and fired up to have you on, Kenny, because I cannot figure out how to handicap this World Series. You have, of course, the Atlanta Braves starting in Houston, taking on the Astros. I looked at some of the series prices, which isn't my favorite way to attack this. Ultimately, I feel like I have to look game by game. So that's where I want to start with you here. I do look at game one. It's going to be uh, Valdez and Charlie Morton. The one thing that does make sense to me is backing Charlie Morton on the road where he's found a lot of success later in his career, especially this season. The Astros are minus 136 at home. The total is eight and a half for game one. So before we get into ultimately who you think wins the World Series, what's your favorite way and in your opinion, best way to attack game one? Yeah, I, I think you said it. I mean, Charlie Morton is a tough guy to fade. And at plus 115, I, I do think that there is pretty good value on him considering his postseason track record. I think we've all lost a few dollars about fading Charlie Morton in the postseason <laughs> over the last few years. And look, when you look at it, right, Framber Valdez is coming off that stellar eight-inning gem against the Boston Red Sox, which basically won the Astros the series to me because they got the, they've given the chance to rest their bullpen. And really set them set them up for success to close out the, the ALDS series against the Boston Red Sox. So, look, I know that it's a tough guy to fade, but when you look at the Atlanta Braves, they have had a lot of experience against ground ball pitchers, especially against the Los Angeles Dodgers. And when you look at the way that the Braves offense can set up against left-handed pitching, you know, this was a team that really struggled to hit lefties for most of the season. And then they got Travis Darnovac, who's one of their best op options against left-handed pitching. Then they went out and got Eddie Rosario, who's a great reverse splits guy. They add Adam Duvall. And then Jorge Soler, who was missing for most of that Dodgers series, he's hopefully going to be back up to 100% now after that long layoff on the COVID list. I think that this is a team that definitely can smash lefties. And, you know, all the talk in this series from all the cappers is going to be how the Astros are great against left-handed pitching and all that. But I think the Braves have something to say on the other side. And I think when you look at this pitching matchup, I, at least for the first five innings, maybe I'll look at a first five innings line here on the Atlanta Braves. But I certainly think that they're worth, you know, taking a stab as the underdog, especially with an experienced postseason pitcher like Charlie Morton, who's been you know, just outstanding uh, and, you know, one of the best curveballs in the, in the major leagues. Yeah, it's uh, fun to see him go up against his former teammates, the Houston Astros. Uh, and you're right. People have not learned their lesson. The money has come in so far, fading Charlie Morton again. 58% of the bet count, 78% of the handle to this point at points bet has been bet on the Astros. The Astros, as you mentioned, are meaningful favorites here to win the World Series. We're looking at a, uh, at a series market that is Astros minus 150 right now. You can come back on the Braves at plus 125. This seems relatively fair to me. A couple of people who are relatively sharp MLB handicappers, I was kind of picking their brains before. What do you think the price will be? Almost everyone was kind of right around Astros minus 150. Is that where you land here, that this is a relatively fair market? Or do you think with the likelihood that the Braves can take one of these early games that uh, it makes sense to grab a little Braves series price right now? 
Yeah, it could. I mean, look, I, if I'm in the market and I, I mentioned this for you know the last series, the division series, I think I'm waiting a little bit to take a stab on, this, on the future because I do think that the Atlanta Braves can steal one on the road and that would sway the odds to, to give the Astros some pretty significant value. Um, I, I'm certainly not of the belief that like the Braves are going to run away with the series. And I, I do think that the pitching is going to be the Achilles heel of the Houston Astros. So that's sort of where I come out on the Astros potentially dropping one of these games at home and forfeiting home to the home field advantage over to the Braves. I just, I don't believe in the Valdez Garcia combination. Again, I know that those guys, the last time we saw them, they were great, but you know, we have a larger body of work over the last couple of months that says, you know, maybe these guys aren't the most surefire starters. At least Garcia specifically really struggled in his first two postseason outings. So I think that there's a little bit of value in waiting, but again, to your point, I mean, if you want to just go ahead and get both teams at plus money, you start out with the Braves here, and then I think that you can get the Astros at plus money in a few games. And to that point, I kind of really like taking a stab, uh, with, like I did with the uh, Red Sox 2-1 after three games, that market, the, what, the series score after three games. I think that the Braves 2-1 after three games at plus 175 is a very interesting bet. Here's what's fascinating. If you look back to the trade deadline at the end of July, the Braves had a 2% chance to represent the National League in the World Series. So obviously their odds have come significantly down. I'm sure there's some people with big paydays available if the Braves end up winning the World Series, probably looking to hedge that. I do want to get to the MVP, but real quickly here, I'm looking at the, the Astros favored by one and a half games, plus 125 the Braves to keep it close in the series handicap, plus one and a half games, minus 150, Henny. It does seem like you would take the Braves here plus one and a half games. But like I said, it's minus 150. Do you have any interest in taking a series price outside, you know, two to one after three games kind of thing, the overall series market? Yeah, minus 150 obviously is a little a little steep. But mm -hmm. I do think that, you know, to my sort of series script here, if the Braves are able to go ahead 2-1, you know, with two more games coming at home, I do think that there's a pretty good chance that they can win three games in the series. And I, I think that this is going to be a pretty lengthy six or seven game series. So I am looking a little bit at, you know, maybe dabbling in the exact games or the over uh, on the series games, because I think that, again, th this pretty much is a, a toss up to me. I mean, I know that the, the price is pretty much fair, but I think that the Braves have a fighting chance here. And I think that they could certainly take this. So to that point, yeah, I mean, I, I think that plus one and a half games is, is probably where I would land on that market. You know, I like the, the correct score after three games. And then I also would, would take a stab here and maybe taking six or seven games in the series. Hmm. I'm sure as much as people would love to hear us break down the St. Petersburg Open, uh, that's not what they're tuned in for. Uh, <laughs> synthesizing all of the, these takes now about this series and how this goes uh, goes down, uh, do you think we can pick off some potential value in the MVP market? I certainly do. Uh, and there's two guys that have my eye. And first of all, uh, if you could get Christian Javier right now in points bet, I don't know if they've every player up yet, but Christian Javier to me, it's probably going to be the, the longest of long shots here. And he's a young man. He's a very talented young pitcher. He was vital to the Astros in that Red Sox series, coming out of the bullpen, giving them two, three innings at a time. So it, it could be a Julio Urias situation for uh, you know the Houston Astros to use Javier out of the bullpen. He's been spectacular. And the biggest thing for the Astros in that in that series, that we, we know that the Astros can hit, right? They probably have the best offense in baseball. We've seen them hit all, all year long, all postseason long. But the biggest difference between the Astros, you know, in September and October and the Astros in that series against the Red Sox was their bullpen was spectacular. And it was it started with Javier and then it was Kendall Graveman and you know, a few other impressive performances. I know Phil Maton hasn't really completely gotten up to steam, but he was OK. Yumi Garcia, the guys that they got the trade deadline. So I think that there's the narrative 
uh, unfolding here that the Houston bullpen could potentially win them that series. So I think to that point, Javier is a decent bet. I like T- Kyle Tucker as well at plus 1,400. I think he's probably the, the Astros, maybe the best hitter right now, and he's plus 1,400. And on the Braves side of things, I really like Austin Riley at plus 1,600. He just seems to have a knack for these timely hits. He did strike out 14 times in the postseason so far, but I, he's he's come up with some big hits. He's got an OPS around 750. So he's just kind of, you know, he hasn't been consistently there, but as we've learned from World Series MVPs, I don't really know if you have to be consistent. You just have to come up in the timely moments get the big hits. And as long as you can just kind of put together five, five good games, uh, you know, especially good performances in the, in the team's wins. I think that Austin Riley here, a guy that can hit lefties pretty well, starting off the series strong against from Valdez, a pitch to contact guy. He could, uh, he could be a little bit of a weapon here for the Atlanta Braves. I think he's worth taking a dabble. We're simpatico. I love Austin Riley, 16 to one. He's going to come up with a big home run or two, and that's what he does. So for probably, getting quite a few RBIs in this World Series, 16 to 1 is a fair price. Um, if you look at the MVP liabilities for points, but it is Eddie Rosario, then Austin Riley, and then Freddie Friedman at 12 to 1 in terms of the Braves. Uh, no price for Javier yet, by the way. We'll check into that, but that's a great look also for a stud reliever that the Houston Astros are going to have to rely on. Kenny is on Twitter, at Kenny Ducey. You can check out more of his Major League Baseball handicap as well as all of his tennis plays on NBCSportsEdge.com. Kenny, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Go Demonor. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. The NFL season is in full swing and the NBC Sports Predictor app has you covered with Sunday Night 7. Predict what will happen between the Cowboys and Vikings on Sunday for a chance to win up to $100,000. It's free and so easy to play. Download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com predictor. Let's talk a little Monday Night Football finally. And for that, the prop king himself, Von Belzell, joins the show. Von, thanks for taking the time. Happy Monday and Monday Night Football. I love your play. I got a hold of it earlier. I checked out what you were looking at as far as Jameis Winston and his passing yards. I was surprised to see this open up at 201 and a half. Maybe it's the weather. Maybe it's the Seahawks defense. I'm not quite sure. Couldn't get a feel on this one. But you, my friend, like the over as well. So take me through your case and make me feel a little bit more confident in my play that I'll give out for Edge of the Day. Yeah. Happy Monday, Drew. Happy Monday, Sarah. It's been a long weekend for me. I was at the best man of a wedding. So I literally had a 10-hour drive yesterday. 
I got I woke up at 4 a.m. today, ready to go. I've been capping for the week. <laughs> Hopefully this play backs up my hard work and ethic, but we'll see what happens. I like Jameis Winston here over 201 and a half yards. Yeah, this line is pretty pretty low. I'm not totally sure why, but when you look at what's happened to Seattle's defense uh, this season, uh, this is just seems like a steal of a line because every single guy that's faced the Seattle Seahawks secondary and defense has had this number cleared so far. This is way too low because Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo, the only quarterbacks that went under 200 yards against them so far this season, and it's because Jimmy G was hurt. Combined that about 300 yards in that game. So clearly everybody that's faced the secondary has hit the over so far in Winston. Is getting hot now. He got me. He burned me in week two. You could see his lowest line of the season on our NBC Sports graph is the lowest point week two. Week four and five, he's been better. So I like him here in this spot against Seattle, a secondary that's let up 10 touchdowns and only two picks this year. Winston on Monday Night Football, 219 and 299 in his career. So he's hit this twice already, too. Ooh, interesting. Uh, before moving off real quick, uh, who among the targets do you think is going to get the Lions share? Callaway, maybe? Yeah, he's been a hot guy. I've actually just picked him up in my uh, – so I, this isn't even anything to brag about. I play a 16-team <laughs> fantasy deep dive. Yeah, so you're really scraping at the bottom after five or six rounds. Callaway, one of the guys I grabbed. So, yeah, if you have him, I think he's a great pickup if you're in the, you know, looking for a wide receiver three or someone just to play on Monday football. Deep ball option as well for the Saints. So uh, longest reception total is a good line on Marquise Callaway. Okay, cool, cool. Good luck. I like it. Moving to a college football game of the year uh yeah. michigan and michigan state take uh, the field it is a rivalry game everyone knows that uh it is also for very meaningful leverage if you have designs to get into the college football playoff if you are either one of these teams or fan bases so this is going to be a big 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 game big spot uh, michigan state obviously has been one of the darlings of um you know kind of capturing you know the the mind's eye of the college football fan this year they've done a lot better than expected uh currently both teams are five and oh straight up uh, amazing over their last five so this is uh as hot as it gets in college football uh we are seeing the wolverines three and a half point favorites uh which feels a little disrespectful to how good michigan state has been this year are you laying the chalk or does the dog have a reasonable shot here Oh, yeah. Dog definitely has a shot here. There's always a dog in the fight when it comes to Michigan and Michigan State. As you said, game of the year, so many classic finishes between these two schools. But looking at what they've done this year has been certainly impressive as well because Michigan State has been hot, undefeated as well. They've only played the underdog role twice all season. They won outright in both of those positions. Here against Michigan at home, East Lansing is going to be bumping when it comes to uh, this rivalry. And I had a friend, Demetrius Cox, who used to play for Michigan State, and he said when this Michigan week comes around, all, nothing else matters. That's all they're focused on. It's a get-up week for both schools. And as you see, the dog in the situation has performed well. But Michigan State is 8-2 and two against the spread in the last 10 versus Michigan. If you want to say Michigan State at home in East Lansing, well, they're 5-1 and one ATS then. And they have the running back that gets it done, Kenneth Walker, Heisman candidate here. Michigan has not played anyone that scares me this season. You could probably say the same for Michigan State, but Michigan's best win arguably against Washington or Wisconsin this year. And that is a both big down years for both programs. So I'm not putting much stock into the Wolverines. I like the dog in this one. They're alive for the upset. As I don't know much about East Lansing, but I do know this place is going to be electric yes. for this game. Can't say I've been, but I would like to check it out for a game like this. I want to head over to the association where I did brag for Drew earlier because he's been <laughs> crushing it. As of you, and now I look at the player prop market specifically because the Bucks defense is struggling. Yes, they're two and one on the season, but we've seen a lot of injuries come about over the last few days and really unfold. So is there a way you've now found certain players to target yeah, for the Pacers game, taking on the Bucks. 
Yeah, certainly. Uh, I wish Drew had a play on this one right away so I could just steal that play because he has been hot. And I'm, I'm trying to get on that wave right now. But I like this play, a bounce back spot for me because I was on Sabonis over the weekend and uh, he hooked me short on a couple of rebounds. But in a points and rebound spot at 31 and a half, this is a great spot for him to go over. As Sarah said, there are some injuries right now to the Milwaukee Bucks. They're going to be down Lopez. Semi Ojale is already out. They're possibly without Bobby Porter's and Drew Holiday as their guard is out as well. So that's three to four main guys out on their team. When it comes to the rebound position, Sabonis is second to none. He's right now in the second, literally, in the NBA with rebound chances. Just a hair under 25 rebound chances per game. His line's at 11.5, but I like the points as well at 20.5. So I'm going to take the multi pick here. He's been lights out, hit this two of three already this season. And with this positive matchup, he should have no problem hitting over 31 points and rebounds. Other books outside of points bet have already moved this up to 32 and a half, and it should be 33 and a half or more if Bobby Porras is out. So I will take the value now because NBA points in the paint, 114 the last two games the Bucks have surrendered. Um, mm. That's a lot. So Sabonis could definitely have 20 points and 10 plus rebounds. Yeah, no, I like this look. Uh, Sabonis is underpriced, as you mentioned. Uh, yeah. It has been that way all season. It uh, doesn't look to be, uh, you know, and really until Karis LeVert comes back, basically the offense goes through him. And TJ uh, Warren. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. And, uh, I, yeah, I think both just the way that they're currently rostered, uh, Sabonis is basically, he's the 1A, 1B <laughs> offense for them. Uh, so the idea that you're getting a relatively cheap uh, 31 and a half there is pretty solid. So good yeah. look by you. Should be competitive game for the the Pacers. Didn't didn't play that side, uh, but uh, I'm expecting Drew Holiday does not go. I'm expecting yeah. Portis does play, but is on a minutes restriction. And oh, as you mentioned, uh, no Ojale. Uh, and no Lopez in that one. Um, moving to the World Series game one, uh, being that your K props have helped keep me afloat all fall, I was wondering, is there a K prop to be had in the uh, World Series game one? Yeah, depending where you shop, there's a lot of markets right now moving these K props around. But I certainly like Framber Valdez under four and a half Ks if that's who you can get. We saw Kenny kind of talk about him already and talk about the Astros. Now, obviously, if you know me, you've know I've been fading left-handed pitchers against the Braves all year. So this is one that, again, just came up on my card and has to be an automatic bet for me because they win. Julio Urias was the winner we had last time. We had the left-handed pitcher coming up against the Braves. But Eric Lauer and Urias were those two guys this season in the postseason, two and three strikeouts against the Braves. So four and a half, three and a half, those are a little bit too high of lines for Valdez. Although he looked great in his last game. He went those, you know, eight innings plus. He looked like he's back to a new form. But when it came to the strikeout numbers, he didn't really have much strikeouts outside of the first couple of innings. Uh, and once the, the guys got to him in the second and third round time to order, uh, they figured him out. And that's what I'm looking at here because I'm not very in love with this Houston Astros pitching staff. Um, I'm actually thinking the Braves are live dogs for the series. I like Kenny's theory uh, in taking them as well, uh, you know, every game because they're going to be underdogs. But I certainly am happy the Astros got to this point because we cashed our plus 950 preseason ticket on them to win the AL. But at this point, I'm not too confident in them moving forward with this pitching staff. So I'm going to be fading most of the pitchers that come up on the Houston Astros this entire okay. series. Second time around the lineup, Jacktober up to the plate, Grand Slam, gets his 30 to 1 MVP case off to a stunning start and knocks Framber Valdez out of the game before he gets to five strikeouts. That seems like the perfect way to start the World Series, in my opinion. So uh, let's go, Braves. That's a dream come true. I don't, I don't have anything to say about that. I want that. What I'm wondering now is, Drew, do you have a ticket on Jock Peterson for yeah. MVP? <laughs> of course. Anytime you have a, a narrative built around a nickname as good as Jocktober, just, I'm in. Also the pearl necklace. That's what does it for me. If anyone's wondering, yes. 
It's the pearl necklace, I think. But um, October, we'll take that really quickly. This is an interesting note that our researchers do a fine job putting in. Across the last five games, the Braves have 18 runs in the first five innings. So they get on the board. They get on early. This completely fits the script of not only Jock going yaya in the beginning of the game, but also for Valdez to get yanked before that four and a half K mark hit. So awesome. Look, if you're not following Vaughn on Twitter, do yourself a favor, check him out at V money sports. He puts so much awesome analysis and plays there that you can probably pick off some winners during, during the week. He also has stuff on NBC sports edge.com Vaughn. You are the best. Good luck with everything. We will talk to you next week. Sarah and Drew. Thank you as always. Let's put some lunch money on Jock to go. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. With Jock Peterson, 30 to 1. I was just going to ask you, do you have any plays for the World Series? You slipped that one in. So fairly quickly, <laughs> before we get to your edge of the day, give me some World Series plays. Yeah, well, Jack, Jack Peterson, 30 to 1, I think is worth a look just because, again, he's a fun player to cheer for. He's he's a boomer bust guy. So either he's either he's going to put up runs and go yard or he's going to strike out. So either yeah. way, it's uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, he's a high volatility guy. Uh, and at 30 to 1, I mean, come on. he the might personality be, yeah. fits the script. That's what also stands out. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And he's been in these kind of big games before. He's not going to be shy up there. He'll, he's bringing the good. So, yes, Jack Peterson. 30 to one MVP. That's, I, and, and realistically, I do think it is the right time to take uh, some Braves World Series action because I think they'll get one in uh, Minute Maid. Uh, and I think they'll go home to uh, potentially close out the series. We'll see. We'll take some more stabs at the World Series and particularly the futures market throughout the week and tomorrow on, on Bet the Edge. I like Austin Riley for MVP. Now I like Jock. I have to get on that. I also like the Braves. I've been watching baseball for a long time, covered it for a long time before getting into betting. I don't fade Charlie Moore, and I've learned my lesson far too many times on that one. But now we go to the association. Edge of the day, my pen remains out. You've been hotter than anyone on the hardwood so take it away what's going on for today in the association yeah so it's been a fun start to the season i think we've gotten relatively true results so far and i think that there is still some value to be had in the betting market as folks figure out what exactly you have in some of these teams uh and there's a team on the board in the cleveland cavaliers that is still being rated like it they are among the league worst and that is not necessarily the case considering how they're currently rostered. Uh, they made some pretty decent, I thought, additions in the offseason to really round this uh, this roster out. And you saw it bear fruit over the weekend with a, a wildly impressive upset over the Atlanta Hawks. They were down in that game. They did not quit. They fought back. They played a superlative second half. Great second half adjustments. Realistically, I think uh, this unit and honestly, the fact that Darius Garland wasn't in there may have been a good thing uh he might be addition by subtraction um but realistically this uh cleveland cavaliers team has a tough tough ask head up to altitude play against the denver nuggets denver nuggets 2-0 so far in the season both very impressive wins uh you know they are obviously a little bit on cruise control mm -hmm. here but covering a 10 and a half point spread is asking a lot of them in my opinion against a, a feisty cleveland cavaliers team Denver with a huge, huge game on deck uh, going up against uh, Utah next time out. Chances that they pull some of their uh, punches late in this game, particularly if they're up uh, and then uh, let Cleveland in the back door. If this is a lopsided contest, I think is real. So you have a number of paths to victory here for Cleveland to stay inside the number. And uh, to be honest with you, I think they match up fairly well in terms of how they want to run offense and defense against this Denver team. Denver really is mostly still getting it done around the perimeter. Cleveland has a decent set of wings that can defend the perimeter where they really lack um, 
uh, defenses at the rim. And you know, without uh, Jamal Murray, Denver doesn't really have any guys that can attack the rim uh, in the same way that uh, they would later in the season. So uh, I think this is a good matchup for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I played them at plus 10 and a half uh, and uh, best look on the board for me today is the dog. I played this because you and our producer, Adam Wise, were texting this morning. You guys both like the Cavs. I looked into this. This, as you just said, huge spread in the NBA. Backdoors wide open against a Nuggets team that very well yep. may be looking ahead to the Jazz. So Fair, fair we'll price, take... probably eight and a half. So you're getting two points there with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I have tailed you on that play. But for my edge of the day, I had to go to football, but I know best. And you guys might have thought at the beginning of the show, oh, it doesn't seem like week seven got great, got, didn't go great. I don't give up, Drew. I go back to the board. <laughs> and I take the Saints laying four, surprisingly enough. There's a lot of things that originally stood out and I was going to stay away. But I actually think there's a big advantage and the New Orleans Saints are getting underrated here. I would look at the Seahawks as a bottom five, bottom 10 team in the league right now, especially with Geno Smith. But the reason I like this game is that, yes, the, the Seahawks stayed in the game against the Steelers last week. The Steelers don't have the same offense as the Saints. I'm not saying the Saints are this ridiculous dynamic team, but what I think with the what Callaway's been showing, we talked about him earlier. Jameis Winston has been really good this season. 12 touchdowns, just three interceptions, not to mention they're now rested coming off of their bye week. And I know Seattle is a tough place to play, but I just look at both sides of the ball and every advantage I have goes to Sean Payton and his team. Um, I like them in their last game. They looked really good against the Washington football team. Like I said, they're now well-rested. Their defense is solid. And now there's tape on Geno Smith. For me, the four is a fair price. I actually happen to love the Saints in this game. So I will be rooting for the road team, laying four points. It's now stood there for a while after the look ahead and open was three. So give me the New Orleans Saints laying four on the road, taking on Geno Smith and Pete Carroll in Seattle. Yeah, I think your breakdown is completely fair there. I did see some sharp action come in on the five, but the fact that it stopped at four <laughs> tells you it was kind of a weak position. Um, and yeah, the weather does look absolutely nasty. And if there's one kind of, um, if there's one player who can sort of distinguish themselves in this type of environment, it's Alvin Kamara. So hopefully this is uh, a relatively uh, defensive contest. I'm on the under, but uh, I like your Saints minus four play at this point. Yeah, a lot of money is coming on the under to bring this down to 41 and a half. And just to add the cherry on top here, the Saints run defense is the second best in the league behind the Bucks. And because of the weather, if you're going to run the ball, that's a huge edge to the New Orleans Saints. So I'll lay the four. Drew's on the under. Also the Cavs plus 10 and a half. That is all we have for our Monday on Bet the Edge. We appreciate you guys joining us on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. If you are listening later in the day, please be sure to sign up and rate the podcast. We appreciate that. Also, if you've made it this far at the end of the show, you have Halloween costume ideas that you can get to us for Drew and I to wear Friday <laughs> in the next 10 minutes. Please do so. we got to order something in quick. Good luck with all your plays. Have an awesome Monday. For Drew Dinsick, I am Sarah Perlman, all of us here with NBC Sports. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, 
No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 